there's a spiritual lie that goes around that says if you're anxious, you're less of a Christian or you're you're not mature spiritually yeah. if you're anxious. <laughs> Good morning, ladies. I'm hey. Emily. And I'm Satricia. And we're here with the Messy Faith Podcast because life is messy. But God already paid the maid. That maid's already paid, baby. Paid. <laughs> All right, Satricia. So what are we talking about today? Anxiety. Oh my gosh, I'm getting anxious thinking about it. I know. <laughs> Control your breathing. Slow breaths. <sighs> Slow breaths. So this is something both you and I have immense experience in. Yes. Like, could we say we're experts? <laughs> mm, I don't know. <laughs> we could say, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Expert is a hard word. It That's is. a big one. It is. Um, but before we dive into our subject matter, we just want to let you know that uh, we are here from you. Uh, what? We are here for you. We're here for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not alone. And yeah, let's just dive right into it. Yeah. Okay. Anything your kids do this week that made you anxious? This week or every day? <laughs> Today? Or? Well, obviously five times this week. <laughs> Man. Um, I don't know. I can't, I can't pinpoint anything specific, but I'll just say one of my children... I won't name them. They um, like to challenge me. And I think it triggers anxiety in me. And I think it's a trauma response. And so them challenging me, like just challenging my authority or challenging it just like a, I don't even yeah. know how to explain it. It's just it's just a challenge. And and it, it uh, triggers anxiety in me because my goal is always to respond correctly and in self-control. And because I didn't experience that growing up. Gotcha. And so it triggers because I'm like, there's a piece of me that wants to, yeah. what did I say? But I'm holding that back because I know that I have to have self-control. But the fight inside of me, self-control or to whoop them kids. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but that fight in me, it, it, it triggers anxiety. Gotcha. So for me, I mean, just there's the natural everyday things. But raising six kids is like, there's a certain type of, stress that comes with that and I find that now that I'm in the teen years and then in the like nine to six year old years as mm -hmm. well um it's like a whole different set of tantrums yeah you know what I'm saying it's like it's no it's not no longer like the the terrible twos or you know that that tantrum phase they're like mm -hmm. teenage tantrums yeah which aren't like they don't look the same but Sometimes. they are still <laughs> emotionally draining yes and so I find that my my anxiety meter like goes up so by the end of the week I'm like I'm frazzled, so mm -hmm. I got to figure out how to, like, bring it back down. Yeah. Bring it back down. Anyway, Mom so life. let's dive into this anxiety. Let's give a nutshell of um, kind of, like, where your anxiety came from, like, in two minutes or less. Give us a recap of, like, a highlight reel of kind of the different areas that have built up your anxiety, I guess. And then Ooh. I'll do the same thing. And then I'll do the same thing after you. Okay. Okay. So we're doing it. My hesitation, if you hear it, is because I always want to make sure I'm honoring of the people that I love in my life. So that's the hesitation that you hear. Um, but I would say anxiety for me, I believe in what I'm learning because I don't have it all figured out yet. I'm learning it through therapy and through the Holy Spirit is that it is a response to traumas that I've experienced in life. Um, and a part of it is not feeling safe. And so wanting to create a safe space for my children um, without the proper tools. And so then it leads me to uh, in a form of controlling 
because if I can control the atmosphere, then I can keep my children safe. And so for me, that's where a lot of the anxiety comes from and how I'm triggered because my heart is really to protect my children so they don't have to have some of the experiences that I have, whether it's emotional stuff, whether it's physical stuff, whether it's whatever, you know. And so I think that helicopter mom, because I always say I'm a a recovering helicopter parent (laughs) in me that wants to keep my children safe, wants to make sure they feel loved, wants to make sure they feel validated. It sometimes causes me not sometimes a lot of time causes me anxiety because I'm I'm so like, okay, it has to be done this way because I know then you're safe and I know that this won't happen and I know this and I know this yeah. and that. And so then it's this overwhelming pressure to keep them safe and make sure nothing happens, which can almost feel like smothering to them yeah. because it's like, I want the freedoms to be able to go and do this, but you know, mom's not. And I think there's wisdom in some of it, but anything extreme is not good. So if I'm extremely just uh, put you in a bubble you know, that's not good because you're not getting real life experiences. And I'm, I'm almost saying like, I don't trust God, you know? Yeah. And so um, that's one thing's that one thing I've had to learn in that is to not to get off on another subject, but to, but to give it to God, like do what I can do in the natural. Of course, it's not just go anywhere where you want to go, but um, leave the rest to God, like do what I can do and leave the rest to God. Um, so I think that's like the main source of like anxiety for me. Yeah. I think they have a term for that. I think it's called ACEs, like adverse childhood experiences. Oh, I've heard that. <clears throat> and so like the more ACEs you have, the the like more prone to anxiety or the quicker you'll get to certain things like that because you're already starting like you're yeah. already starting with a level of right here because of all your experiences. So I am kind of where I think mind stems, mind stems from, and I know this because I've had to deal with it, um, is kind of a two-pronged thing. One, um, I was adopted. Mm-hmm. So my parents uh, couldn't have children, so um, they prayed for children instead, and so oh, they adopted. I, I lost count. Is it fourteen? I could be lying. I'm wow. not sure. It might be twelve. It's either twelve or fourteen. I forget. So I love all my brothers and sisters, <laughs> um, and so I'm adopted. So with that comes, um, and I know enough about my birth family. Like I would, you know spend the night at my grandma's house. I've met my brothers and sisters, most of them. And there's some mental health stuff uh, on on that end. And so I literally have a phobia of um, having a mental illness. Hmm. And so that, that gets triggered by when, you know, I'm when you feel out of control, yeah, it, it kind of it kind of like triggers all that. And then when you're raising teenagers and they seem like they're mentally ill, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing at anybody. Yeah, not anybody at all. else. These are real serious situations. So I'm being completely yeah. honest, but I'm very hypersensitive to how they feel because I want to make sure that they're sound. Yeah, you know, in their mind. Um, and so that is something that I have really, 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 really struggled with. Hmm. So this is a question that I ask myself because um, I heard. A pastor, I think it was Mike Todd. Um, he he did a sermon and he was saying that what is not what's not tr- what's Lord help me <laughs> what is not transformed would be transferred, meaning like the things that we struggle with or um, if we're if we don't get to a certain level of healing that we we pass it on to our children because you um, I'm not sure culturally in our culture. There's like generational um, curses, like it's talked about so much. We're breaking generational curses, breaking generational curses. But really, it's generational traumas that are passed down from yeah, us you know, sure. throughout generations. So do you feel like 
because of that um, phobia, do you feel like in any way that it's been, I don't know if I'm getting too deep in your business. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I need a therapy session right now. <laughs> but do you feel like in any way that that has passed down in some, in any way to your children? Well, I think that can be said. That's the, you know, nature versus nurture. There's this thing in like epi, epigenetics, right? So you can have like genes, but that doesn't like some, so some things are hereditary. Mm -hmm. So like I'm, I also have like ADHD and mm -hmm. this is a whole nother, we'll get into this in that episode. Mm -hmm. um, um, how to love Jesus when you're neurodivergent. But um, anyway, that's for another, another episode. Um, so you don't just, there's a certain aspect of ADHD that's that's passed down, mm -hmm. but it's not like because you, you have the gene, you're going to have it. Yeah. What makes it come alive is the environment. Yeah. So how you raise your kids and the environment they're around will will wake that part up. Yes. And so that I think that's kind of what he's I guess that's a scientific way of saying what he's saying spiritually. Yes. Right. Yes. 100%. I mean, if, if you don't deal with it and, and, and change how it affected you in, in, a, in a positive way, then you know, that's why it keeps re you keep reliving it. So you treat your kids this way. Yes. As a reaction to that. And then it like goes back and forth like that. So yes. Yes. Um, uh, maybe I, I pray to I literally in my uh, I, I'm pen pals with God. He hasn't written back yet. I'm I guess he has in the Bible, but I'm waiting. So I'm waiting one day for me to open up my journal and just be like words. Oh, be like, ah! Glowing. <laughs> glowing words. I'm always like, dear God, please heal every screw up that I've screwed up in my child. Yeah, like yeah. every mistake I've ever made to like damage them, like fill in the gap. Yeah. <laughs> like, please make up where I am completely deficient. So mm -hmm. that actually for the past couple of years has been my prayer as I go on and improve myself, learning coping skills, yes. learning to see, uh, like know my triggers, mm -hmm. um, and know where it's like kind of pouring out, um, you know, but we're not perfect. So I'm, I'm going to have those days. Yeah. One thing that I have noticed with my kids is that for better or for worse, like we're a super open family, mm -hmm. which means that we for sure open. <laughs> I can testify to that. <laughs> wait, wait, what are we talking about? What kind of open? I'm not that kind of Christian. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't mean like that. I mean, just I see the, the freedom. We have a closed and... marriage and open family. <laughs> yes. Not, let's clarify that for yes. anybody listening. No swingers. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, like, Although I, I do see... like the swing dance, though. OK, I was pretty good at that. Anyway. No, I see your communication with your children and I see the conversations that you allow or have in front of them and allow them to participate in. And not to go off topic, because I'm going to answer that same question I asked you, but I see that in culturally. And this is going to come up a lot because we're, we have two different backgrounds, like yeah. culturally. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should like we should lean into that, Tricia, because... Yeah. Like we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm white. For real friends. I'm white and you're black and we uh -huh. do life together. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. And you were raised white. <laughs> I was raised black. Culturally. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. But um, no, um, in in the urban culture <laughs> or however you want to title it, but in the culture that I was raised in, um, they're, they always say like, stay out of grown folks business. So it's not okay for children to be in conversations when grown folks are talking. Oh, snap. It's like a big, like, disrespect. And so when I met you and I see how your children talk, it's interesting to me. Not that I don't have an opinion for it because I don't subscribe to that same thing, too. My children, I allow them in conversations, too. Now, there's some that I don't have in front yeah. of them just because of age kind of things. Yeah. And like my older son, there's conversations I would have with him that I wouldn't with my 12-year-old my that I wouldn't have with my 6-year-old. Uh, and so, um, but just to see the freedom, like, 
literally we could be talking and they'll just come give their little opinion in there. <laughs> and for us, that was like you get popped in the mouth because that's a no, no. Yeah. You know, so culturally like to see that I'm like, huh, like they are very comfortable sharing their opinions. And I do like that. I yeah. think, of course, with everything, there's boundaries. But I do like that. I like that they feel comfortable enough to have an opinion in the say and say it. Yeah. I don't know why we, I think I'm, I just might be a naturally open person. I think some of the people that know me the best might be one of those people that's like TMI, (laughs) but I subscribe to like, I have literally nothing to hide even, well, you know, my husband literally knows every single dark, my deepest, darkest thing and he he still loves me. And so does Jesus. So that's good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm covered there. But there is, there is a lot of things that people just... I don't know. I find there's freedom when everybody knows everything about you, because then when they still participate in your life and mm-hmm. like you, yeah. it's like a whole nother level of acceptance and love. Yeah. And I try and have that for everybody. And so I don't know where that came from. I don't know if it's just a personality thing or whatever, but yeah. my kids and my parents, and when I asked them a question, they would answer it. Yeah. So I think maybe that's where it came from. There was nev- never any hesitation. I remember one time I was at like, must have been in like junior high. I asked my mom if she had sex with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> my son has asked me and he said, when's the last time? I was like, okay, wait, we're going too far now. <laughs> right. And she like answered. There was no hesitation or blushing or like, oh, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. She literally just talked to me like normal. And I, I think what I realized, I was like, oh, like I am, I'm valued as a person to like, I don't know. There was just no hint of hiding anything. And so yeah. I didn't want that for my kids. Um, and so... If they're willing to talk, I want them to be free to ask me any question, right? How do you learn in life? By asking questions. For sure. And I know learning came hard to me. So I'm like, ask as many questions as you want. Yeah. Some days I'm like, why did I even choose to do this? Uh Because don't ask questions. Just do what I say. Yeah, no, really. That's the back end of it. But yeah, we digressed. Where are we going? No, no, that was good. You you answered the question good. I, I'm the same way with my children. I always tell them, if you want to know something, ask me because I'm going to tell you the truth. If you ask your your friends, they're going to tell you what they think they know. Yeah. So it's better to yeah. ask me and I'll always be honest. But to answer the question that I asked you about, do you feel like some of the, the um, I said phobias for you mm-hmm. that you experienced, do you feel like it has affected your children? One thing I've had oh, yeah, to, They know that they can't talk about certain things if I'm in the room. Like, oh. like any, uh, so I don't watch psychological thrillers. Yeah, me neither. I don't watch I, any type of scary movie. Yeah, I, I, I got PTSD <laughs> from watching like a really scary movie uh, when I was younger. And so I just, I don't, it, Yeah. it like, I'm like getting some feelings in my body even just talking about it. Yeah. So like, um, or they'll say certain words and they'll just look at me and they'll know, they'll be like, oops. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that it just stops there. Yeah. But I'm still a work in progress. All so. of us. Yeah. The same, I think for my children, I didn't realize how anxious I was over the years. I didn't realize it. I was I got so used to being anxious that I thought it was normal. So like I'm a person who moves fast. So if I'm walking in the store, I'm walking fast. If I'm like I'm always trying to fit so much into a little bit of time, like a get things done, like go, go, go. I think a part of that is caffeine. Part of that is caffeine. But I think just naturally like this feeling of like, okay, I got to get this done. I only have this much time. You make the best of my time. And I noticed that in my children, they started to pick up some of those habits um, where it's like a, like now, now, you know, kind of thing. And, and that causes irritability too, because as peaceful as I like to believe I am and people see me as, there's still like this, <laughs> yeah. like get it done, get as much done. Like I just had this thing of like, I want to be as productive as I can possibly be within 
a short amount of time. And then I have my little free time to lollygag or be lazy, you know. But um, I would see that with my children. And I was like, oh, am I causing my children anxiety by like rushing? Like, okay, get on your shoes, get your coat. Come on, let's go. Like, and I, and I start seeing them be snappy with each other as well. And so I had to like take a step back and be like, okay, you're creating an atmosphere where everyone feels like they have to rush, where everyone feels like it has to be fast. Everyone feels like this, you know. Yeah, there's not just space to be. It's Yeah, like to. And so I had to like start doing things like, okay, allow more time. Like, yes, you can get ready in 30 minutes. But can you get you and all four children ready in 30 minutes and be out the door without without causing uh, stress and Not breakdowns? unless you prep the night before. Yeah. And even then, <laughs> you know, so I've had to learn, like, allow more time so that you're not feeling like you're always rushing. And so and let it, you know, let it fall how it falls. But if you've done everything you could do, you've prepared, you've given yourself enough time. If you're late, you're just going to be late. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think there's another aspect because there's I feel like there's almost like two layers of anxiety. Like Mm -hmm. one is just the normal everyday anxieties and not to say that your anxiety is any different. I'm just saying that there's yeah, there's not like levels of different. There's just like levels of different, you know, like this this way. Yeah, we're going to go this way. Not like hierarchy, but just linear different size. There's a scale. Exactly. Um, And so um, when I was younger, I didn't know what it was, but I had panic attacks, Mm -hmm. like not very often, like maybe um, and I think it was maybe just in junior high where I was the, the where hormones come on. So it was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have like phys- physical things would go on in my body. I remember I was at a and I think this comes from I was not only was I was adopted, but I was uh, sexually abused mm-hmm. for like a year by um, a close family friend's mm-hmm. son. And so I, I my parents noticed it was found out. He went to jail. Um, I mean, it was dealt with the best possible. I got all mm. the, I got all the therapy I needed. So well, that's good. But I'm I still you know your body records trauma. Yeah. And so when I went through puberty, I would get like panic attacks, but I didn't mm. know what they were mm. because my mentals would be totally fine. But then all of a sudden, I like things. I would see things in black and white. And then when I, I remember at a track thing, I was trying to run. And I couldn't lift my legs to run. Like, I forgot how mm. to run. Like, I was running in slow motion. Mm. It was super weird. Interesting. Yeah. And then sometimes I would just, like, burst out crying. Um, anyway, but as soon as puberty was done, like, those went away until college. Um, <laughs> and then um, there was one <clears throat> episode, and I really want to I want to tell this not only to let people know that they're not alone, <laughs> but I think there's a spiritual um, lie that goes around that says if you're not anxious, you're less of a Christian. If you are anxious, you mean? Yeah. If you yeah. are, yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Um, if you are anxious, <clears throat> you're sorry. you're you're less of a Christian, or you're you're not mature spiritually. Yeah. If you're anxious, but um, I I don't believe that. Yeah. I believe that everybody has room to grow spiritually. Yeah. Um, and I believe that Jesus has a personal unique relationship with each individual, and so yeah. how he works through them and the speed at which he works through them is as is as different as there is people on this planet yeah so if there's like 7.2 billion people on this planet there are 7.2 billion ways in which jesus has a relationship with individuals and i think it's no sin is greater than the other and i think we are all um growing in some area of our life and i think anxiety anxiety (laughs) if i could talk right is just um one struggle and yeah just like lying is a struggle 
just like um, judgment is another struggle, yeah. just like fornication is a struggle. I think we all, everyone is dealing with something or God is working out something in, in them. And I don't think one is greater than the other. Or one tells like, yeah. you're more spiritual because you deal with judgment. <clears throat> no. Yeah. Yeah. And so like the actual, I think definition, the definition of anxiety, what it is, is your body is going into fight or flight, Yeah, flight, fight or freeze or and there's even a fourth one. I just can't remember what it is. And so um, it's like you get you go into this survival mode for a minute. And then once that happens, there's different chemicals that shoot off in your body. Mm-hmm. And so there, that's a shelf life. Yeah. So once that initial thing happens in an instant or something triggers you, you have to live out that shelf life. Yeah. And I think where we can <clears throat> learn skills and I think where the hope comes is that there are things that you can learn to work through that shelf life and eventually have less and less panic or anxiety attacks. Like, and if you happen to have that disorder, this is a walk you're going to have to walk your whole life, but you'll be so like skilled Mm -hmm. that you can get through it. Like, like nothing. Yeah. Like starting up the production on this, I, I had a, a small little episode. And so I'm like building this set like mm-hmm. while I'm going through the shelf life of my anxiety attack. Yeah. And I'm like, this will not stop me. Like I, yeah. I've got Jesus and I'm doing it and I worked my skills. Amen. <laughs> What's crazy about as anxiety is that sometimes it's self-triggering. Yeah. So like feeling out of control, like out of control of my mind or out of my body. So mm-hmm. when I get like bodily sensations mm-hmm. that I didn't ask for, then I feel out of control, which triggers the anxiety. And then I have anxiety about the anxiety because I don't yeah. want to have anxiety again. <laughs> yes. No, that's it's a um, cycle. It's a cycle. And I think a lot of people don't understand because they don't experience it. So they're more ignorant to what anxiety is. And I think a lot of them think that anxiety is just someone that's choosing to worry, choosing to overthink. So I think from the people who have the viewpoint of like, if you were more spiritual, you would know it says or pray harder for pray nothing. more. Yeah, they don't understand the actual chemical reaction that your body is having based on whether it's trauma, whether it's this, whatever it is. But trauma definitely, you know, um, triggers anxiety. But I think people don't have that education, and so that's why. So I guess to anyone out there, if you are. If you love or if you're a parent of someone who's struggling with anxiety, do your research on what it is, because that can help you to be a better support to that person versus like, oh, just get over it or just stop worrying or just pray to because for years, that's what I thought. I thought I was failing. And so I thought, let me just pray like I'm feeling this way because I didn't pray enough. And if I prayed enough this or the Holy Spirit this, like I thought that versus like understanding that certain traumas rewire my my I don't know the how to say this word right but my neurological system like yeah I, I was listening to Anita Phillips yep she has a book the um, garden the garden within. <clears throat> we'll put that in our show notes that could be part of the resources yay it's so good but she was just talking about how it literally changes like neuro neuro neurologically Mm -hmm. I think that's how you say the word yeah but she was saying how trauma literally changes that and your body response is is something that you're not controlling 
And so the tools that we have is to how to work through that, how to bring that down, how to notice certain triggers, how to like there's tools to help with this. But it's not just like God can do a miracle and heal that. And I believe him for that. And he's done that in other ways in my life. But there's some practical things, too, that even in the word helps us to to deal when we feel like that, yeah. you know? And so it's not just writing someone off or like, oh, just do this. Maybe you don't understand, so maybe you should do your research. Yeah, but, um, yes. But you can't just, um, because something is easy for you, even if you've been through the same traumas, if you don't struggle that way, doesn't mean that someone else doesn't have the right or exactly or that they're it's all in their head. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly, so. exactly. And I think that um, like scripture, like you know, it says you know, transform the renewing of your mind. Like, like just <clears throat> the process of of reading scripture. I, I know that I was in. I had like a I called a mental health crisis mm-hmm. uh, like two years ago. And the only thing that got me that got me through it, I mean, I was going on like seven days no sleep. So I was I was in some tense, an intense, like unique situation. I literally had a black book, a pen and a Bible, and I would just write verse. I would transcribe the Bible. Yes. And that was literally the only thing because I didn't know any skills yet. I didn't I didn't know anything. I literally didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so and so that was the only thing that brought me comfort. Yeah. Do you know the same (laughs) thing? I don't call um, it was like in 2020 or something. I went through some a season of torment, I'll just say. And the thing that helped me was just scripture. And I would take before before 2020, I was a person I would try to read so many um, books of the Bible a day and spend so much time like in prayer and fasting and all this stuff. But when that season hit, I, I would just literally take one scripture and all throughout the day, I would stand on it and I would repeat it. And I would, I believe you, God, I believe you, God, because that's what I had to stand on. And I had to ask myself, do you really believe what the word says? And so every time that that torment would come up, every time that fear would come up, every time that anxiety would come up, I would just remind myself what the word said and it would help bring it down. And I had I started taking medication at that time, too, for anxiety, because when it would get too high, I, I was like, there was no, I couldn't pray. I couldn't, it was just panic. I felt like I was going to die. Yeah. And so. You still got to be a mom. Like you yeah. have to function every day. Yeah. So I believe that sometimes there's seasons where there is medication that's necessary and it might be a long season. It might be a short season. Yeah. But then also the word coupled with that, I think it's Jesus and therapy. I hear people say that Jesus and therapy. It's not one or the other. Yeah. It's like that three prong cord, right? Yeah. Not, not easily, easily broken. Yeah. And so for me in my hardest time, it was. It was medication, but then it also was just standing. It was one scripture. It wasn't trying to do too much. I got to pray seven hours to pray this away. It was just, I'm going to stand on this. And as I go throughout my day and mom and work, every time that I feel that coming up, I'll just remember that scripture. Okay. I remember he said... One that I love. Um, he's given me um, love, power, and a sound mind. Oh, yeah. Scripture. He did not give me a spirit of fear. fear. Yeah. And I would say, I don't have a spirit of fear. I have a sound mind. Like, I would literally repeat that. And I'm like, I might sound crazy to the outside world or to people, but I would literally, whenever that fear would start to come up, I don't have a spirit of fear. I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind until that feeling would leave. And sometimes it would be me taking my medication and saying <laughs> that scripture until it, you know, relieved yeah. itself. Yeah. But um, those were the tools that helped me to get over that season um, was the word medication and just, you know, practicing those tools that I was learning. Yeah. Um, one of the big tools for me, so, so you know, bodily sensations that I didn't ask for is mm-hmm. kind of like my trigger. Um, 
And so what I literally had to do, and I know some people out there might not like yoga or whatever, but did you know there's different types of like yoga as in not the religion, not a yogi, but just the actual like stretches and stuff, right? So there's ones that like rev your body up because Mm -hmm. the way you're stretching, it like revs up your nervous system. And then there's other um, like moves and stretches and stuff that you can do that actually calm it. And they call it like somatic yoga therapy. So I literally, because I had to come to what, what I have learned to call radical acceptance or other other people call it radical acceptance, but I had to accept how my body was feeling Mm -hmm. the tingling fingers, the feeling out of like out of body experience, um, not really being able to like feel my lips or my fingers, but knowing that they were there Mm -hmm. and remembering what they did feel like I have to, in that moment, accept that this is how my body is feeling in this moment Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. And I know that this moment will pass. Yeah. And I, I remember what it feels like to not have this there. Mm-hmm. And so accepting where I was in that moment and then either doing the stretches. I mean, it was so bad that I couldn't even close my eyes. Like I had mm-hmm. to do all the like yoga <laughs> sessions, um, like with my eyes open, do my stretching, um, really had to work my skills. Mm. Um, it was so crazy. Like there's this verse in the Bible that says you take every thought captive. Yes. Right. So like with anxiety, I, I learned that what it is, it's these, something triggers you and then you have these runaway feelings. Literally run away. Literally that they're just running crazy stories in your head. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've had to learn to stop to, f- um, find out what little, what little story I'm telling myself mm-hmm. that's fueling, that's making this chemical reaction in my body yeah. happen. Um, if it's like, like, um, I think I'm, I mm-hmm. think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. Like if that's a lot of times that's the one that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, then I have to, and you're not, <laughs> and I'm not right. But then I have to tell myself facts. Yeah. I have to say, uh, I have had like, I am a mom of six children. I am mm-hmm. functional. I have my own business. Yeah. Like I have to, I have to tell myself the facts of my life that dispute the lie. Yeah. But what I picture is like sitting that phrase in there and interrogating it. So anxiety is running scared and letting it run around in your mind yeah. as opposed to sitting it down and then being an observer. Yeah. So this was big for me. So stop judging myself and thinking mm. that I was a horrible Christian for having anxiety yeah. and that I don't trust God enough or I don't do this. Um, so I'm labeling myself things, which are yeah. other stories running around. Like you're a failure. Yeah. You're spiritually immature. Mm-hmm. Like you're a freaking pastor. Like I'm a, like a licensed minister and yeah. I'm struggling with this. You shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And so looking on those thoughts without judgment is mm-hmm. something that I've learned. So you're like the observer. Yeah. So um, it's kind of like. Uh, I want to interject one yeah. thought into there, how you said the facts of your life. But for someone else that not but, but. Also, in addition to, for someone else, maybe their facts are these things that are horrible, and the facts that that we have to stand on is what the word says. And oh, so, for sure. if, if the facts of your life aren't like, if it is like the worst, like I'm homeless or I'm addicted or this thing, if the facts are something that is that you know that is actually not good, then the facts that we have to stand on is the scripture. It's like, what does God say about me? What does God say about yeah. my situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that for me has helped because the facts might be this. That's true. But the fact is, you know, or oh, the truth, yeah, the yeah. truth, maybe the facts are this, but the truth is 
God says this in his word. And I'm going to take this one scripture. The fact might be I am fearful right now, but the but the truth says he hasn't given me a spirit yeah. of fear. Yeah. So, God, I know that spirit's not from you. I have a sound mind because you said you gave it to me and I'm going to stand on that until I feel it. I'm going to keep saying it until I feel yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And so for me in That's this situation, the when it was, yeah, yeah, when I was fearful, <laughs> yeah. that was the fact of it. Um, I had to stand on the truth of like, but he said he didn't give me that spirit. So I know it's not from him. So let me stand on what you said. I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind and I believe it. Yeah. And I just kept saying it until I, so for someone who may be like, well, my fact, you know, yeah, that's true. My fact might be this, you know, I might be a crackhead and homeless or, you know what I mean? Or yeah, yeah. about to lose my house or, you know, these things. But the fact is, he said he will never leave me and forsake me. He said he's yes. a provider. He said he's this. So the, the truth is this. Yes. And I'm going to stand on yeah. that. And those, so are, those are all facts I tell myself yeah. as well. Yeah. As well. So good, good call. Uh, and the fact is also that, that you're still alive. Yeah. And if you're still alive and breathing, it means you have purpose. And there's new mercies every day. And, and, and he's excited to look at you every day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's another episode right there. Yes. Purpose. <laughs> um, but how many times do you have a thought and you judge yourself about it? All the time. That's that's a part of the work, too, is I I'm always I'm hard on myself. And I heard I don't remember what minister I like to give credit to whoever said it. So it don't sound like it's my idea. <laughs> but, but they said, how um, would you talk to someone else how you talk to yourself? And so I usually check myself with that because Ooh. I'm not a judgmental person. Yeah, I give a lot of grace to other people. But a lot of times I don't give grace to myself. Exactly. So, yeah. so like. Everybody judges other feelings. So when you judge your feelings, when you're having like a panic attack or, or you're in a state of anxiety, like that fuels the fire. Mm -hmm. So being this onlooker, this observer of your thoughts without judgment means that you like you like talk to that thought. You're like, hey, hey, thought of I'm going crazy today. Mm -hmm. How are you doing? Why are why are you here? <laughs> um, that's a cool. I'm I'm glad that that's what you think. But based on these facts who Jesus says I am, what he's done for me, the 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 fruit of my life to this point, it doesn't say what you're saying to me. It proves yeah. something different. So if, so you, could out of here. if you could just go uh, exit to the left, that would be great. Mm -hmm. Right? If you can go to... No. <laughs> <laughs> Insert. <to Hades>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that's that's what I've literally learned to do with my thoughts. Even, even other thoughts like... Um, like you could even use this on lust. I, what I what what I think is that it it denounces shame. Mm -hmm. I guess because when we judge our thoughts, um, which we're human, yeah. and to be more specific, we're imperfect humans. Mm -hmm. And so when you're judging yourself on every thought you have, mm -hmm. you're you're creating environment in your mind and in your mindset um, of shame, which yeah. is contradictory to how God sees you, and it's contradictory to the work that He's already done for you. Yes, you know, He said that He died on the cross once and for all, for yeah. all of your sins, mm -hmm. from the time you're born to the time you die. Yeah. And so, in my mental health, what I have learned to do is look on without judgment. And mm -hmm. to not push the shame. So even if it's the thought of, you know, this person's attractive or, you know, a certain show comes on and you're like, hmm, well, that that I, you know, I did like that a little bit ago, but I know where I'm trying to go is here. Mm -hmm. And so I probably should turn you off. Yeah. Um, so that's probably not a good idea. Yeah. But in the past, it had been like, um, not that this is a big scroll, a struggle. It's just like an yeah. easy example. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm a horrible sinner. I shouldn't, I've watched something I shouldn't have watched. Why am I so horrible? Yes, and then I'm, look at you. <laughs> look at you. You are horrible. <laughs> Slap yourself. How dare you, you whore. <laughs> you know what I do? And then I go on this big giant bender of like, 
unplugging all the TVs, and then you just go like extreme. You know, like some people like no quit TV things for a month. Exactly. No, a month. No TV ever. Yes. Ever yeah. because the TV is the devil. The devil. The devil. <laughs> right. So we get extreme, but that's mm-hmm. like an extreme reaction yeah. because we're judging ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, now I think that we can reflect on our actions and make, sure. and make conclusions based on where we want to go. We have to. But yeah. if we do that without judgment on ourselves, mm-hmm. I feel like that's almost Christ-like. Yeah, no, that's for sure, because it's it's being honest of where you're at and what you're struggling with, but then not judging yourself, but then also coming up with strategy or or asking the Lord for strategy, strategy or solution to, to grow in that area. Yeah. It's not like it had overnight. This is going to, yeah. some yeah. people got do does things cold Turkey. I'm not one of those people. It's usually a process. It's usually like a yeah. working out my faith with a fear and trembling. Yep, that's what I do every day. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, it's removing the judgment. Like you are this, like, okay, you might, you might've lied, but you're not a liar. What, why did you lie? Were you afraid and that triggered you to lie? Like understanding why you did what yeah. you did so that when that situation comes up again, you can respond differently. Exactly. And I, I think if we can learn to do that, that will ha- that will help uh, dispel anxiety in so many ways. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to leave um, a PDF of resources for you if, if the anxiety is something you struggle with. Um, The rest of you guys out there, we just want to let you know that you're not alone in this struggle, whether you're, you know, have mild anxiety or it's just the stresses of the day that we as moms and as women who love Jesus and are are trying to live life according to the way Mm -hmm. um, we're here with you. And um, you're not alone in that. And this does not mean that you are spiritually inept. It just means that you have room to grow. It means you're human. (laughs) Yeah. And it means that Jesus died for you. And you gave him a reason to. Exactly. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) And we can continue the conversation in the chat. If you're on YouTube, if you have more comments or questions, please feel free to leave a a comment or question. Yeah, question. We'd love to get to those. And also, um, we have a community coming out. It's called HopeSociety.Social. If you love Jesus and want to be involved with women who are, go ahead and check that out. Until next week, peeps. And that's a wrap. Hey, it's Emily here. I just wanted to thank you on behalf of Satricia and I for listening to the Messy Faith podcast and allowing us to speak into your life. And hey, we don't want it just one way. We would love to hear from you. You can contact us at any time through our website, our email at ask at messyfaith.com. You can like us on Facebook, YouTube, or wherever you listen to us at. And hey, we'd love a little review. Can't wait to hear from you.